0: Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Well, amen, just so that everyone knows, I know the Dallas basketball team is not the Stars, it's the Mavericks. I just spoke for those of you who were interested, uh, just so you know, I do know. Uh, but anyway, I, I uh, was thinking this week about a story that I had heard a while back. The story is about a man, and this man was a barber, and he had been led to the Lord and, and been saved from his sins and became a follower of Christ, and he was so excited about that. He, Of course, he wanted to tell everybody about Jesus and how they could be saved and made right with God. One day, he was lathering a customer up for a shave, and uh, he came to the man with a straight razor in his hand. And as he came to the man, he looked the man in the eyes with a straight razor in his hand, and he said, are you prepared to meet your God? Well, I need you to know, I don't necessarily know that that's the best way to go about telling people about Jesus. Uh, I don't think we do it with a gun in our hand or a knife in our hand. I'm really not sure that's what it really means to give somebody an opportunity to believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus. Uh, So really, in in kind of a way, I want to ask you today, then how do we really go about this thing? How do we go about providing an opportunity for people to believe in the life-changing gospel? See, we've been talking for weeks about FBC's mission and our vision, and so far we've covered our mission, and we're going to look at that again here on the screen. Really, here's why FBC exists. First Baptist Church of the exists to embrace. That means really to to take hold of, to take fully, uh, make fully aware of, to embrace the great commandment, love, Right? This idea that we're to love God with everything that we have, but primarily first in that, we have to understand that God loves us with all that he has. And this is a reciprocation of that relationship. And when we embrace great commandment love, that will fuel us or empower us to be about great commission living. And then we started to look at our vision several weeks ago, and we stated that our vision is simply this here at our church. Our vision is really to provide a place to belong a path to become, and an opportunity to believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus. Let me tell you a little bit about this vision and why it's so incredibly important to anyone in the room. You see, when Mark 1.17 came on the scene, which we'll look at real quickly right now, Jesus said to these men who were not really believers in him yet, these weren't saved people Jesus was speaking to. He said, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And this is kind of where we brought this vision from our church. It was a vision Jesus had to establish the church. I believe it's a vision that we can have for our church. Jesus said, hey, follow me. In other words, you matter. And you, you, this is a place where I want you to know that you belong. You belong with me. And so we've been teaching a little bit about this vision. And for some, they've, they've taken this. This vision is all about lost people. Well, it has a lot to do with people who don't know Christ. But it's also the path by which we become more devoted followers of Jesus. Once we become a follower of Jesus, we realize that we become a part of his church. That we belong, I mean, in that part of his church. That we are identified as uh, people who are Christians, christ Followers, that we belong, that we matter, that we're made a part of the body of Christ. And then as we develop that relationship, we start becoming like Him in sanctification. We become just like Jesus would through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We become, so we get on the path of sanctification. And then God, like He always does, takes us to say to us, Listen, it's impossible to please me without faith. And so God then will take us on deeper journeys where we can believe Jesus, not for salvation, but we can believe him for greater things in our own life. And That's exactly what you'll find is Jesus oftentimes spoke to the disciples about their identity, said, hey, just keep following me, yielding to the Holy Spirit. And now, hey, Peter, won't you walk on some water with me? We see this happening, this vision. So this vision is both for the unbeliever. It's how an unbeliever in Christ would find Christ they get around people that, that show them that they're love, that they're image bears, that they're interested in doing life with them. And then we just live out our Christianity before them, doing what we do as Christians, inviting them to do it with us. And when they see what we're doing, they're gonna to wanna to do what we do. But then eventually we have to say, you then have to believe in Jesus as Messiah. And so I don't want anybody to be confused about what we're doing, but here's what we're kind of focused in on today. Last week, Pastor Justin covered this path to become. For those of us who believe in Christ, he said we have to pick up our cross, to ourselves, and follow Jesus. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it, right? It's the path of discipleship. This morning, I want to kind of focus in on what it means to give people an opportunity to believe in the gospel. You see, if you and I really are being loved by God and loving God... The natural overflow of that is, is we will want to, other people to know about the love of God and to love God and to tell other people about the love of God and to love God. That's kind of what happens. Jesus said in Mark 1.17 that if you follow me, he's going to make you become something. You will become, if you are following Jesus on this path to become you will become a fisher of men. It's not something that like you get to choose. It's going to happen if you're truly following Jesus. That's Jesus's promise to us. It's not something like we we can say, well, you know, some people are are soul winners and some people aren't. No, Jesus said, if you follow me, I'm going to do the work and the result is that you're going to be fishing for men. Well, that, that really does happen. Here's what somebody would say in a negative way, and I don't really like to put things this way, but they would say this, if you ain't fishing, it's because you ain't following. Well, that sounds harsh. Oh no, here comes, here comes the guilt trip. No, I'm not gonna do that to you today. I'm just saying that Jesus said that being a fisher of men would be one of the things that Jesus would make us. This is not just for a few. This is for every single Christ follower. So let me ask you this question. How are y'all doing with that? I mean, how are you doing fishing for people? Let me ask you two questions, okay, to, to kind of put this into perspective. Do I believe, and this is for you and for me, do, do I believe that the presence of God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit can radically change and transform a person's life? Do I believe that? Do I have anybody in the room that believes that? You're gonna get set up, so be careful, <laughs> I believe that the gospel can radically change and transform a person's life. I believe that. You believe that. Well, then do, here's the second question. Do I actually believe that my family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, and classmates would be better off if they had a personal relationship with Jesus? Do I believe that? I believe that with all my heart. If the answer to that question is yes, and it is, then the greatest gift that I can ever give anyone in this life is an opportunity to believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus. That's the best thing I can give anybody. I can't save them, but I certainly can give them an opportunity to come to know Jesus. Remember we said earlier that if we're going to get a vision for our lives, if we get a vision for our business or or even for this church, if we're going to get a vision, we have to be looking at what Jesus is looking at and Jesus is looking at people. So here's the truth, folks. Land, ranches, homes, bank accounts, trophies, Ford F-150s, diplomas, cows, titles, achievements, scholarships, nothing of that nature is going to make it into eternity. The only thing that's going into the next world is people. Every single person that has ever been born or that ever will be born is going to spend eternity in one of two places. They're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus or in hell without him. That is why Christ wants every one of his followers to be joined with him in what is known as the Great Commission. We said earlier in our mission that we would look for people who don't know Christ and give them an opportunity to believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus. Again, this is one of the things that Jesus said he would make us. We would be people who would live great commissionally minded and focused. And this is so important that Jesus didn't leave the church's job description up to chance, or God bless it, Jesus didn't leave his church's job description up to a committee. <laughs> before he left to go back to the Father, he told us exactly what we're to be about corporately and individually. You've heard it before. It's found in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Jesus said before he left, here's what he said. He said, go, go. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Let me help you a little bit with the translation. The only command in that text is not to go. A lot of times as Baptists, we put the the command and the emphasis on the wrong syllable. What we do is, is we say the command is to go and the command in that text in the Greek is not go. The command there is to make disciples. How are you going to make disciples? Well, you've got to be as you're going is the literal translation. As I'm going about my life, I will give people opportunities to believe in Jesus and to follow him as a disciple. And then, as they come as a disciple, I'm going to teach them to obey all that he's commanded. And the first thing I'm going to teach them is the first thing God taught me, and that's to love God with all my heart and soul, and to teach others to do the same. And then to love my neighbor as myself. But it starts with as I am going. It's not just go, it's as I'm going. So then how in the world do we go about this idea of giving people an opportunity to believe? What are some practical things, pastor? Because I can tell you, I could, and I've done it before in my preaching and it's just not effective because it doesn't work for me. I could guilt trip you today. I could give you a lot of stats. I could give you 3,000 scriptures and you would feel so bad as I would because we're not witnessing. I could do that but I'm not gonna do that today. I wanna to give you just some simple principles that maybe you could take and just begin to do one or two of them, just one of them, maybe over the next month, it would move you closer to, to being about what God wants you to be. And man, I would rather give you grace than give you a pounding. I mean, the simple fact is, we, it's been said, it's been proven that 98% of Christians have never shared their faith with another person. of us. That's startling to me. But I won't go there. I want to give you hope. Here's the first principle I just want to teach you today that I believe that Jesus in Matthew 28 is really teaching us. The first thing is to see people who are without Christ. You and I have got to see people as being either in Christ or not in Christ. There's only two options. Matthew 28, the text says, as we are going, that means that as I'm going, I have to look for opportunities to give people opportunities to believe in Christ. And if I'm going to be giving opportunities, it means I have to be looking for them, (laughs) right? To do this, I have to see people as really being in need of Jesus. If I don't see people really need Jesus, I will miss the opportunity every time. I have to see the way Jesus sees. Listen to me. Listen very carefully to the words I say. Yes, I have taught you that we have to see people as being alone. Yes, I've taught you that. We have to see people as alone and we meet their relational needs to remove their aloneness. But we also have to see people as fallen. And we have to give them the gospel because the gospel is the only thing that removes people's sinfulness. We can love them all day long, but if they don't come to Jesus, they're still going to be separated from God for all eternity. So I am not teaching you something. You just need to stick with me. I want you to hear me today. I have to see people as both fallen and alone. I have to see with the eyes of Jesus. Jesus said the harvest is plenty. And Jesus was talking about the woman that was walking right in front of them. The harvest is plenty. Do you see the people that need Jesus? Every single person on the planet needs Jesus. Do you see them that way? You have to see people that way. But then he said, listen, the harvest is plenty. There are people without Jesus everywhere, but the workers, Jesus said, "are, are few. So Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. One thing that means for sure is that he will give me his eyes to see people the way he does. The truth is that I think many of us know And many of us really see people as being without Christ. I I think in this room, I could say that that most of us know because the Holy Spirit resides in us and the Holy Spirit gives us eyes to see people who are without Jesus. But here's what I've realized in my life and in many people's life is, that then we simply let fear keep us from taking the next step. We see them, but to say it the way that we really should say that we just simply are afraid. So let me give you some hope. Dr. Tom Rainer is a man who's wise in church growth and evangelism. He's worked with 15 research assistants and he spent two years going through all 50 states with these 15 research assistants and he interviewed hundreds of people in every age group and in every ethnic group and he discovered there's five stages that unchurched people are in. There's five stages that unchurched people are in as he's done this work across the United States. And here they are up on the screen. I wanted to say he put them into five categories. The first one was unchurched group one. He says that these are the people that are highly receptive to hearing and believing the good news of Jesus. 10% of the people that you will talk to are gonna be highly receptive. That's exciting. And then he says there's unreached group two. They're receptive to the gospel and the church. They're not highly receptive, but they're gonna hear what you say and be receptive to it. 27% of all people in the United States of America, he's telling us, 27% of the people are gonna be receptive to what we have to say. Then the third group is, is they're neutral. There are no clear signs of being interested, yet perhaps they're open to discussion. In other words, they're not really against it. They're not really for it. Hey, sure, I'll talk about it. 30%, 30% of people fall in that category. Here's the fourth group. The fourth, they're resistant to the gospel, but with no antagonistic attitude. In other words, hey, you know what? I really don't wanna talk about that, but man, I love you and I'm proud of you for mentioning that because if you really believe that, hey, that's cool. But they're not gonna be like, yeah, go away, right? 21% of people, but here's the the cool thing. The people that are highly antagonistic and even hostile hostile to the gospel, only 5% of people living in America are actually hostile to our message. 5% of people we're afraid of. 5% of people we are afraid of. This is staggering to me. This is crazy to me, and I've found it to be true in my witnessing efforts. Let's just cut to the chase. The people that we fear the most are the people who are highly antagonistic and even hostile to the gospel. And they found that out of 160 million people in America, only 5% of the people are in that category. Most of the people we need to give an opportunity to believe the gospel aren't going to be antagonistic. In fact, 62% of people interviewed said they would go to church if somebody just invited them. Simplifying the math and the results, this means that one out of five people I talked to would come to church with me if I just invited them. That's crazy. Let's put it another way. 75% of people we meet with would be open to discussing the gospel, open to hearing my story about Jesus, even receptive to hearing the story about Jesus, or even very receptive to receiving Jesus, or even highly receptive to receiving Jesus. So I have to change the way I see people. I have to see them as actually not only just needing, but actually maybe even wanting the very gospel that I have. That changes everything. Don't let the enemy tell you differently. So I got to see people who are without Christ. But then secondly, I have to seek people who are without Christ. If I can see them, then I've got to do something and move forward. Because Jesus said, he'd make me a fisher of men. In other words, when I I see a bunch of fish out there, I don't say, well, that's cool. I got to start fishing. I got to start going after them. Go to where they're at, right? Jesus said, as you are going. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said this, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. If I'm following Jesus and Jesus came to seek out lost people that they might be saved, if I'm following him, I'm probably gonna do what he did. And that means I'm gonna seek lost people out. I've got to seek people who are without Christ, believing that God would use me to help them believe in the gospel. But here is a very sad truth. The longer a person attends church, the fewer discussions they engage with with unchurched people. One of the main reasons is that we have fewer friends who are then unchurched. So we have to help people belong so they can believe. We have to constantly see people as Jesus sees them. But the more we open our eyes to look for lostness, the more we're going to see it. And the more that we see it, then we have the responsibility to go and seek it, which means is I have to be intentional about developing relationships with unchurched people. It does not happen naturally. This vision that we have been casting has been in part to help you develop relationships with lost people. It's not so that we could be a social club. It's so that we could befriend them, so that we could give them an opportunity to believe. Sometimes people wonder, why do we focus on youth events and why do we do outreach events? Like, why do we go hand snow cones out on a Friday night at a movie gathering? Why do we put such emphasis on marriage and inviting people to date nights and doing all these things? We do it to provide an opportunity for you to invite them to come to something so you can build a relationship with them so that you can give them an opportunity to believe in the gospel. That's what we're doing. When you tell, when we tell you to invite people you know who aren't in church, this is not a simple social invitation. It's helping people belong so they can have an opportunity to believe. It's opening a door to provide an opportunity to believe in the gospel. I want you to understand, listen to me, beloved. Your office that you work in is your mission field. Your school is your mission field. Your neighborhood is your mission field. You are just as much in the ministry as I am. You are, you are God's people. That is your mission field as you go. Please don't think it's all about this building. We have to all be intentional about seeking those who are without Christ. I want you to begin to look at your home, your class, your office, your truck as a place that God could use in incredible ways to provide an opportunity for people to believe in the gospel. You and I have to get this mindset. It's anyone, anywhere, at any time. Anyone anywhere at any time that I can give an opportunity to believe in the gospel. Said differently, everyone, everywhere, every day. It's really not that hard. How hard is it to have a cookout at your home and invite your neighbors so that you can get to know them? How hard is it to take your coworkers who don't go to church out for lunch for the purpose of building relationships to check their spiritual awareness? How hard is it then to invite the same people you live beside, you work beside, you play sports beside? How hard is it to just simply invite them to come to church? You see, just like Jesus, we have to live every day with intentionality, seeking people who don't know Jesus we can't just look at LaGrange and say, yeah, LaGrange needs Jesus. We got to do something about it. So I wonder right now in this room, right now, just, just in the silence of this room, maybe would you go before God, because I'm going to, and say, God, who is somebody that you're asking me to start seeking out to give an opportunity? God, who is that? You see, I don't want us to be like the people that James talks about just to be hearers of the word. I want us to be doers. And most of us will hear a message like this and then we leave and we tend not to really do much about it. And I just want us to figure out, hey God, who is it you're laying on my heart that I can begin to seek out intentionally to just love them, to see if I can give them an opportunity. Would you do that right now, just in this this moment? I'm just going to give a few moments of silence for people to go before God and say, God, who is it you're laying on my heart? Would you do that right now? Who is it? Jesus, would you bring their face to our minds? Holy Spirit, would you break our hearts? Would you show us who it is that you want us to begin seeking? See, listen, folks, we have to see people who are without Christ. And then we have to seek people who are without Christ, which leads me to the last thing this morning. Then we have to share with people who are without Christ. See, as I'm going, I see them. And if I'm going to start making disciples, I have to intentionally seek them. But then when I become a disciple, I have to share the gospel with them. have to share just like with the blind man in John chapter 9 and and with many of Jesus' own disciples, there comes a point when you have to ask people to believe in the gospel. You can't just be friends forever. You can't just love them and never get to the gospel. That is not what God set this thing up to do. You see, in John 9.35, after Jesus removes this man's aloneness and and ministers to him and invites him in and and ministers to his heart and and the sense of humanity, Jesus heard that they had put him out and finding him, he says, do you believe in the son of man? Just doing good and and healing him and just loving him and providing a place for him to belong and, and watching Jesus teach him how to become wasn't the end goal. Jesus then says, do you now believe in the son of God? There there comes a point in every person's life where we have to ask them that question. In Mark 8, 29, Jesus, even with his own disciples, continued by questioning, but who do you say that I am? We have to ask everybody that's just living around us, who do you say Jesus is? There, There comes a point where we have to ask that question to every single person. This is not a social gospel. This is not a social club. It's all pointed in one direction. It's about Jesus and the gospel. You see, let's just suppose that you want to join Christ in providing opportunities for people to believe in the life-changing gospel. Let's imagine that you do see people who are without Christ and that you're seeking people who are without Christ. Let's imagine that you're helping people belong and become, that you've built relationships with them for quite a while, that, that you know that they're, they're, they're not in a relationship with Christ. You kind of know where they stand spiritually. So it's your neighbor, your friend, or your classmate who really needs to know about how they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so your, your friend says to you, hey, I've noticed that you go to church and stuff, and that God seems important to you, that you're a very spiritual person, what's the deal with all that? Let me tell you something, friends. If you are following Jesus, that moment will come because he said he would make you a fisher of men. It's coming for you. And when it comes... That will be the defining moment in that relationship. And it's the moment in every relationship that Jesus is driving that relationship toward. You can help people belong. You can help people become. But you can lose the opportunity to see someone come to know Jesus if you don't know how to share the gospel. There are many things that I can give you. There are many things that I could do application-wise in this message right now to help you learn how to share the gospel. And I'm gonna be teaching a class on Wednesday nights come the fall with some other classes we're gonna be offering. And that class is I'm gonna teach you the gospel and then we're gonna go out and do some door knocking in LaGrange. And we're gonna to try to give as many people as we can an opportunity to believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus. So if you wanna be a part of that, hey man, when you see that info, come on out because we're going out. We're going, we're going to share. I'll teach you how, and I'll be with you and help you through all the fear, and you can help me through the fear because I still get scared. But for today, let me just give you one simple, very powerful, practical tool, and that's just how to tell your story. But how to tell your story in less than a minute. Businesses teach this stuff all the time. You've got two minutes. It's called an elevator talk. If you can't sell what you're selling in two minutes, you're going to probably lose the sale. Can I just tell you, people's attention spans right now are probably less than a minute, y'all know that? So I've got a minute, man, to to tell people what Jesus has done in my life and I just wanna help you understand how I've done that and I wanna empower you to do that because I think telling somebody your story is probably the first place that's gonna land on their heart. It's a simple way to do this. Paul did this in the book of Acts. That's why I use this method out of Acts chapter 16. And he goes on to talk about this. And here's the four things that we discovered. And that is, what was my life before Christ? What was it like? How did I realize that I needed Jesus? How did I surrender my life to Jesus? And now what is the difference Jesus makes in my life? Don't worry about it. It's going to come up on a slide in just a minute. But to give you an example, I want to let you share with I want to share with you what I share with people when I'm standing in the line at HEB. I want I want to give you when I go into the bank or I'm pumping gas and there's somebody beside me. Here's here's the words that usually come out of my mouth. I want you to see it because I've written it down and I've hidden it in my heart that I can be ready with anyone, anywhere, anytime. Here's what I usually tell people. You just read along with me. I tell them, hey man, I didn't grow up in church, but I was a fairly respectable kid. I knew there was a God, but I didn't know or have a personal relationship with Him. When I was overseas in the military, I went to a church service and heard that Jesus loved me and died to pay for my sin. I fell under deep conviction of my sin and I wanted complete forgiveness and I wanted to be right with God. So I surrendered my life to Christ that night and I live every day with the love and peace of a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's a hundred words in less than a minute. That's the gospel. That's my story, what my life was like before Christ, how I realized I needed Christ, how I surrendered to Christ, and the difference he's made in my life. There it is, 100 words in one minute. You can do this. You can do this. You got this. So right now, right now, right here, I'm going to give you an opportunity to write 100 words right now in this room. I'm gonna help empower you to be not just a hearer, but a doer of God's word. So I want you to take these four questions that are here up on the screen. I wonder if you could take out your bulletin or take out the fly leaf in your Bible or take out your phone. I wonder if you could just answer these questions really quickly, just like I did, so that you can share this testimony and give anybody an opportunity to believe in the life-changing gospel anywhere, anytime. Here's that first question. What was my life like before Christ? You heard me say, I wasn't raised in church, but I was a respectable kid. I knew there was a God, but I didn't have a relationship with him. That was my life before Christ. How I realized I needed Jesus. I was in the military overseas and I heard somebody tell me that Jesus loved me and he died to pay for my sin. How I surrendered my life to Christ was I fell under a deep conviction of that, and I asked Jesus to forgive me. The difference now that He's made is, is what? I live now with life and peace and a personal relationship with Him. Beloved, you won't share if you don't have a plan to share, it just won't happen. If you write out your story about what Christ has done and you're confident in that story and you want to share it, here's what I'm telling you. If you follow Jesus, you will be given an opportunity to be a fisher of men. You will be given opportunities. If you have the gospel in your story and you're confident in it, you, I promise you, because Jesus promised me, you'll have an opportunity to share. So right now, I wonder if we could just pull up some music And I wonder right now if you could just maybe begin to write the first draft of your story. Folks, we have to give people an opportunity to believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus. And I know I'm interrupting, but I have to tell you there's another group of people in the room that I want you to know that I'm aware that you're here. you don't have a story I sure want you to have one today so maybe right now I wonder if you would just ask whatever question you're dealing with why you're struggling to not believe in Jesus if you just begin to meditate on that because I'm going to give you an opportunity to believe in just a few moments so take these few moments right now and try to write out your story. Hundred words or less. Tim, can we pull back to my testimony really quickly? I just want to get people to copy and paste. You want to use my verbiage? You want to just change a few details? That's great. I just want you to see another example as you're trying to do this. Not because mine's the best, but sometimes before you can find a way, you need to see a way. be the bad guy I gotta interrupt you now but hopefully what we've done is we've started you on something and I want you to know I'll meet with anyone for as long as it takes to help you develop your story I am devoted to helping you get the gospel to the people that are around you My work as a shepherd is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So I'll stay up all night if we need to. Call me if you need help. Call Justin if you need help. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do with your story. I'm going to ask you to finish it. I'm just going to give people an opportunity next week to give testimony about how they gave their testimony. I want to talk about a church service. See, listen to me, church family. I want to speak to you from my heart just for a second. As I look around the room, I see a lot of people who've been in church for a really long time. And it's time for us to be Christians and to start sharing the gospel. We should have testimonies like this every single week of our lives. And there's just no excuse for it. There's just no excuse. We are just, if I said it the way that Jesus would say it, we're just disobedient. We were not put here just to fill this building up on Sunday mornings. We come on Sunday mornings to encourage one another so that we can go out and reach the world with the gospel. That's what we do first century church met together to encourage each other because they were under such persecution because every day of their life they were sharing the gospel and getting beat up for it changes the way we do church if we're getting persecuted because we're what sharing the gospel justin said last week that the word of god says if you do what if you follow me and you share this gospel you will be persecuted so I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty as much as I am. I hope that this conviction of the Holy Spirit falls fresh on you today. Because church, the Grange will not be saved without you sharing Jesus. And so as long as we continue to withhold our stories, what we tell people is, I'm going to heaven and I don't really care if you go. Super selfish, isn't it? Can you imagine if I had the cure for cancer? If I had the cure for cancer, and I didn't share it with everybody that I knew, what kind of a person would you think I am? I've got something greater than the cure for cancer. It's the cure for death itself. I can't be that selfish, can I? There comes a point when everybody has to be asked, who do you say that Jesus is? Do you believe in the Son of Man? That's the vision, folks. We just may start differently, but we're headed to the gospel every single time. You see, anyone, anywhere, anytime can have their life eternally changed to the power and grace of the gospel of Jesus People where you live, people where you work and you play are one opportunity away from becoming your eternal brother and sister and a part of God's forever family. Can you imagine what happens when we live out this kind of vision and people are provided with an opportunity to believe in the gospel? What happens in our church when every real estate broker, every airline pilot, every doctor, nurse, teacher, administrator, rancher, business owner, student, athlete, manager, salesman, carpenter. What happens when every single one of those people says, listen, I'm at my job and I'm at my school and they've given me an education and they're giving me a paycheck, but my job is really, and my education is really about that I'm here to give everybody that's around me an opportunity to believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus. What happens when everybody in our church actually lives that out? Lives are changed and ours are changed in the process. You see, Bill Hybels said it this way. We need to become seed-sowing fools. Sowing the gospel everywhere we can. And that's what I'm calling this church to do. Pastor Justin does a great job of offering a path for them to become. And hopefully you will be discipled in great ways in Christ. But I'm telling you, church, you can't really say you are a true disciple if you're not making another disciple. Disciples make disciples. Followers are fishers. So I wonder if our band would come. Whomever is going to be playing our invitation, if you would come. Let me just help you with a couple of things as we leave here today. For those of you who didn't finish your story, please do. Can I ask you today that during this invitation, man, would you just commit that whomever God laid on your heart when we prayed earlier, that's probably the person you need to share your story with. Who can I share my story with this week? That's what I want you to do during this invitation. God, I got my story. Help me finish my story, but then help me have the courage and the boldness and and set up this thing for me, God, this week. I want to be a fisher of men and just see what God doesn't do. And then come next week ready to share. Come next week ready to share. But for those of you this morning who don't have a story, you don't have a testimony, can I just share with you right now as as I just usually do at the end of every service (laughs) see you and I were created to have a relationship with God God's deepest desire is to walk with us and to do life with us and to be our father and to love us and to lead us You see, we sinned against God. We disobeyed God. And I don't think there's a person in this room who hasn't disobeyed God. There isn't a single person in this room who's done everything right, said everything right. There's no one in the room who's lived perfectly who hasn't sinned. You see, although God wanted to be in relationship with us forever, when we sinned, God said, when you sin." The result is death, and death is really separation. We're separated from God physically, so Adam and Eve couldn't get back into the garden where God was. There's a physical separation that happens, and you and I, when we physically die, we're physically separated from the presence of God forever. It hasn't changed. There's also a spiritual separation that happens. You and I can't know God. We can't talk to God. We can't be with God even spiritually because we're spiritually dead as well. And God said because you've disobeyed, this is the result. But then God said, "But but I'm sending one who will pay for all that, who can bring you back to me." And this one was born at what we celebrate as Christmas time, Jesus, the Messiah. And he lived the perfect life because he had to be without sin to pay for our sin. But he was also God in the flesh and God so loved the world then that he gave his only begotten son that at Easter, Jesus was crucified because the wages of sin is death, right? Remember the wages of sin when we disobeyed his death. And so Jesus paid that price for us. And Jesus died physically, right? Because death is physical. Jesus died a physical death. But then Jesus also died spiritually for us because he was separated from the Father for us. He became sin for us. But then the Bible tells us, but then on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. And then Jesus ascended back into heaven to show us that he had, And satisfactorily paid for and done everything that would be right to please the Father, because anyone who hasn't done everything that was right couldn't be in the presence of God because they would be sinning as well. So Jesus came to satisfy it all. And now Jesus stands at the right hand of God in heaven and offers you and I life. Jesus didn't come to make you morally good. You and I are dead and we need to be brought to life. So if you're within the sound of my voice and you have never trusted Jesus, you are spiritually dead. And when you die, you will go to the place that spiritually dead people go forever and ever and ever. And there is never another chance. But today, you can cross over from death to life. You can believe in Jesus. You can have a personal relationship with him. And yes, you're going to die physically, but guess what? You're going to get a new physical body. And you're going to get a a new spiritual birth in Jesus. That's why we call it being born again. That's what we mean by being saved. Saved from the wages of sin, which is death. Aren't you thankful that there's a Jesus who loves you that much to tell you today? If you would just confess with your mouth that you need him to be the Lord of your life and you would believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confess your sin, confess your need that you need to be forgiven, Jesus Christ would forgive you and make you new this very moment just like he did me. So if anybody's watching online, anybody's listening by way of radio, if you need a savior like that, you need complete forgiveness like I did. I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer, surrendering your heart to God like I did. So I wanna right now in this room, could we just bow our heads? I wanna give that opportunity right now anybody within the sound of my voice to believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus. If you need Jesus today, if you're willing to turn from your sin, you're willing to give your life to him and say, Jesus, come in and take over, forgive me. Then you pray something like this from your heart. Jesus, I come to you acknowledging that I am a sinner. I have sinned against God. And today I am asking you to have mercy on me. I'm asking you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sin. To come into my life and make me new. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I believe, Jesus, that you died to pay for my sin. I receive that forgiveness. I call upon your name to save me, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. I give my life to you in full surrender today. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed a prayer like that from your heart, and I'd love to know about it. So we're gonna stand right now during this moment of invitation. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to come grab me by the hand. Or grab Pastor Justin by the hand and say, man, today, ask Jesus in. For others of you, man, this is a time of invitation to where you're committing to share your story with somebody before next week. I don't know what the Lord may do in this time, but I wonder if you would stand and we're going to sing. If you didn't pray that prayer, come grab me by the hand and we can do it right now.